uh, down in verse number 10, and uh, how that God has given this travail, this living of life, uh, the bumps and the scrapes and the bruises. Jonathan, uh, my son Jonathan was, uh, uh, I, I had him do some work today. I needed the, I was over here working and I needed the aluminum ladder from, I had it over in the garage next door. And I said, Jonathan, go over there and get the, the aluminum ladder out of the garage. And he called me up about a minute and a half later and he said, Dad, I can't get it. There's a bunch of stuff on top of it. And I said, okay, we'll move it. <coughs> he said, but Dad, it's too heavy. I said, well, what's on there? And he said, well, he said, there's a big box on top of it. I said, okay, what's in the box? Well, I don't know. There's a bunch of wasps in here. And so then I realized why he didn't want to get the, the ladder. He didn't want to get bit by a wasp or stung by a wasp. And I said, Jonathan, just reach in there and grab that ladder and yank it out and come on over be a man. You know, I went on and on about it and told him, get on over here. And I told him, he's like, Dad, I'll get stung by a wasp. And I said, listen. Every 11-year-old boy needs to get stung by a wasp at least once. And about, about a minute and a half later, I hear the door open, and here comes this aluminum ladder in here. And he didn't have a wasp sting on him. But um, God sometimes does some of that, doesn't he? And I did that as a parent because I want my son to, to grow up to be a man. Uh, I could have gone over there and babied him and pampered him and helped him, help him get it out. But it wouldn't have done him any good. And there are times that God puts travail of life on us. Because he knows what's best for us. Is it pleasant when we go through it? Not always. There is a time to laugh. But there's also a time to mourn, isn't there? Uh, there is a time that there's a time to plant. There's also a time to reap. And to pluck up that which is planted. And so he gives us this travail of life. And he sums it all up. And, of course, he, he brings all this to bear in the middle of chapter 3 or towards the middle of chapter 3 here <clears throat> by stopping his view of everything separate from God. And he says, okay, here's a travail that God gives. God has given life to man. God's given a free choice to man. And he gives him the travail of life for this purpose in verse number 11. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their hearts so that no man can... Uh, find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. So we don't always see the big picture. God's ways are not our ways. Uh, neither his thoughts are our thoughts. And his ways are so much beyond ours. We can't understand the big picture. We may see glimpses of what God has done in our life and go, oh, that's why. But we don't see the big picture yet. I'm thankful one day we will. But we don't see it yet. He goes on to verse number 12, and he's still in this mode of things with God. And he says here, I know that there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. And he's speaking here of man finding fulfillment in his life or the, the goodness of life. What's, what's the whole purpose of this thing? He's still questioning this vain uh, life that a uh, uh, life separate from God is. But he says in verse number 12, I know that there is no good in them. That means in man himself. The only good that comes into our life is good that God brings into our life. Uh, but for a man to rejoice and do good in his life, and the reason I know that is we get to verse number 13, and also that, because it's a continuation of thought, and also that every man should eat, drink, and enjoy the good of all his labor. And here's the key phrase, it is the gift of God. So here we know that Solomon is still discussing or talking about life and the travail of life, and there's nothing good in man Except God give it. 
uh, this this labor that God gives to us. And so, therefore, we ought to, uh, in verse number 13, he says, that every man should eat, drink, and enjoy the good of all his labor. This is not the eat, drinking, and being merry that was found in the days of of Noah. This was not the wicked eating, drinking, and making merry and separate from God. This is finding the good in what God has given us in this life and having the enjoyment of it. There's nothing wrong for us to take a praise and say, boy, God is good, isn't he? I've got a roof over my head. I had to work for it and labor for it, but God gave it to me. He gave me the health to do it. He gave me the the resources to be able to have a a car to drive. I didn't have to jump on a horse and ride over here uh, tonight. Not that I had very far to go, but uh, we've got nice things. And God has given them. We labor for them. There's travail in this life, but God gives this to us. And so the things that God does allow man to experience in life, uh, then uh, Solomon says we ought to take joy in that. We ought to eat it. We ought to drink it. We ought to enjoy the good of the labor, the Bible says here, that is the gift of God. And let me just say this in, in parting. This isn't part of the message, but can I mention this to us? I think so often uh, people think that, that we labor today because of Adam's sin and the fall of man. But do you realize and understand that God gave man work to do before sin ever came into the world? God put him in the garden to what? To dress it and to keep it. God knew that that was the way he designed us. The, the way we get fulfillment in life is doing the work that he gives us to do. Now, when we start doing work outside of God and what he wants us to do, then, then we don't find a lot of fulfillment in that. But finding the work that God wants us to do and doing it with our life, that, that ought to be our lifelong ambition because that's the fulfillment of what he's given us to do. And there's great joy in that. You find a man who's out of work, can't work. Maybe he's disabled or maybe he can't find a job. And, and you'll find a guy that's miserable, probably going through depression. Uh, I know when I would take a vacation over the years, uh, I, I would have to do something. I'd have to either leave town or do something. Because after about the first or second day of vacation, uh, my family couldn't stand me around the house. I just got miserable. Uh, I'd go to bed at night and think, I didn't do anything today. And uh, it bothered me. So, so there's some enjoyment in that, isn't that? But that's something that God has given to us. That's not something we do separate from him. Then he says in verse number 14, <clears throat> I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it, uh, that men should fear him. And we, we tie this in with the whole thought from verse number 12 all the way through. In that we don't understand, man doesn't understand. The end of verse number 11, we don't understand the beginning and the end of God. Um, but we do know that God has an overall plan, doesn't he? From the foundation of the world, something took place that we look at and say it only happened 2,000 years ago. Anybody know what that event was? The lamb that was slain. The Bible refers to it as before the foundations of the world. God had a plan way back then, didn't he? Uh, he has an overall plan. We don't see all of it. There's some things that he told some people in Scripture. He said, bind those things up. Don't write them. It's not time yet. People can't handle that. Or it's not time for them to know that yet. Or whatever his purposes are. But God chooses to give us. And the Bible talks about us seeing through a glass darkly now. We see things through a veil. We don't fully understand everything. But we understand a lot. 
Verse number 14, it says that one thing we do know is that whatever God does, he does forever. His overall plan does not change. Now, that's interesting because I just last Sunday was talking about Moses and how God came to Moses and said, Hey, I'll, uh, I will uh, cut off the Israelites. I'll make a nation out of you. And yet Moses goes on behalf of the people and changes God's mind, doesn't he? Uh, different people down through history we hear of going and petitioning God for things and God changing his mind. I know the end result was still there, but remember when God came to Abraham and was going down to Sodom and Gomorrah, or he sent the messengers to go and uh, to go down to Sodom and Gomorrah to destroy it, and Abraham meets with God and he says, per adventure there be 50, per adventure there be 40, per adventure there be 30, um, don't be angry with me, per adventure there be 10, and God kept changing, didn't he? God kept moving, but his overall plan stayed the same. And there are times when sometimes individual circumstances of life can be adjusted. And God, what, what happens when we go outside of God's will is that God adjusts to it. And it's interesting because our, our minds have a hard time grasping the, the concept of God's foreknowledge. And yet knowing that his will was not accomplished. Uh, and it's hard for our minds to, to, to battle those two thoughts. For instance, God may have in his will for me to do something, and if I in my free will decide, no, I'm not going to do that, it didn't change God's overall plan because God knew I was going to make that decision. doesn't mean he dictated for me to do it, and that's where a lot of people have a problem, and they start becoming, uh, it makes your brain hurt trying to think about it and trying to figure those two out. But what the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying here in verse 14 is, God's got a plan. And it says, whatsoever he doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it. Nothing can be taken from it. And he does this so that men will fear before him. Then he makes this statement, verse 15, and we'll be done. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been. And God, require, and God requireth that which is past. And so we find, if, uh, we find here that uh, God does not live in time uh, another one of those concepts for us to try to wrap our brain around a little bit I, I can't illustrate it perfectly because again our human minds don't understand the concept of no time everything we know has beginning and ends life began life ends uh, we start something we finish something and time is what separates the beginning from the end so they don't collide with each other and so we don't understand the concept of no time. I was trying to explain this to some young people one time. I said, the only thing I can, I can tell you is, and in, in trying to illustrate it, I said is, if I were to go and stand in a doorway, inside of a doorway, and I were to look at a certain place on the door jam, just turn and look at it, because I'm in the doorway, I can only look at different spots along the door jam all the way around because I'm in the doorway. But if I were to stand back here at the pulpit and look at that doorway, I see the entire doorway. And the best way I know how to explain it is we are in time and all we can see is past, present, future. Glimpses, spots where we look. 
God is outside of that. And God sees it all. God sees the creation. And God sees the Battle of Armageddon. God sees Calvary. God sees you. God sees me. God sees Adam and Eve walking in the cool of the day. And when uh, he came to Moses in the wilderness, and Moses said, who do I say is sending me when I go to Pharaoh? What was his answer? I am. Tell him I am sent me. I wasn't, he didn't say I was or I will be. He said I am. He's in existence. And so God's will is there. We learned several things in, in this passage, and we'll see a little bit more next week as we finish from 16 on down through the end of the chapter. But one thing we learned from this portion of the, of the passage, and then we're going to tie it all together when we get through next week, uh, we'll, we'll bring all the truths together and see how they all tie together and unify. But one of the things we find in this portion of Scripture is that God's overall plan is unchanging. He has a purpose. Uh, different things and circumstances may change along the way, but his overall plan continues to remain the same. And uh, does not mean that he has discounted the free will of man, but God is sovereign. And God does know what happens in the affairs of men. And, uh, and the Bible says he sets up kings and tears down kings, and the heart of the king is in his hand. And God certainly dictates things that are going to take place. Uh, we know from the book of Revelation that there are certain events that we, because we believe the Bible, will happen. You say, Brother Greg, how do you know that? Because that's what God's plan is. And that's a portion of his plan that he's revealed to us. He said, this is what's going to happen. I'm excited about what I don't know yet. Can you imagine? We, we get excited about seeing what, what part of his plan he's shown us. Can you imagine those parts that he said, hey, don't, don't, don't tell them that yet? Can you imagine what that's going to be like? Something pretty exciting, amen? All right, we'll pick up there next week uh, and go from 16 down. And then we're going to tie the chapter together. We'll, we'll, we'll conclude it next week, Lord willing, unless the rapture happens. And um, so we'll conclude it next week and kind of tie it. There's, there's several key points from this chapter that all tie together. And make a really nice picture. So I, I, we'll, we'll pull all that together next week. All right, let's stand together and be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're thankful for your word, how it instructs us and guides us, and teaches us in some things. I pray that you would allow us to help see these things clearly. Lord, there sometimes are uh, things we are not aware of according to your plan or according to Scripture that maybe we don't fully understand. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to trust the fact that there is an overall plan, that you're in control of everything you allow the affairs of men to be dictated in certain circumstances to come into play, that your plan and your will would be accomplished. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to pray as the psalmist did, that you would allow our will to become your will, that you would help us to long for your will to be done on this earth. And I pray that you'd help us to do all that we can to further the accomplishing of your will in this life. And pray that you'll dismiss us now with your blessings. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God bless you all.